Being the most valuable public company in the world is a nice claim to fame. A few different companies have held the crown of late. For years, it was Apple, but Amazon took the top spot last year. That felt almost predictable. And then something strange happened. As Apple and Amazon struggled, Microsoft soared to the lead. The 1990s tech behemoth was suddenly back on top. I'm Alex Yule. Welcome to The Readback. Today, we're rejoined by Barron's associate editor, Jack Howe, who has spent many years writing about Microsoft. Jack, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Usually, you're really good and like to spend a lot of time on fundamental analysis, all sorts of fun things with stocks, income statements, balance sheets. And yet, you wrote a column this week about Microsoft where the lead was basically about an opinion poll. It's a a little wishy-washy, right? What's going on? Well, I I was just shocked. There's this thing out there called the Axios-Harris 100 ranking. Uh, It used to be called the Reputation Quotient. You basically go out and you poll ordinary people in the public, and you ask them about companies they love and companies they hate, and you come up with a ranking. And Microsoft ranked number nine. And, you know, here we are. Microsoft is once again the biggest company in America by stock market value, and it's the ninth most loved company in America. Like, how did this happen? This used to be a company people loved to hate. And it's not just Microsoft heading up. There are a bunch of names heading lower. Oh, my goodness. Facebook is falling off a cliff right now, and it's all the way down in the 90s, and the list only goes up to 100, right? Uh, Apple's falling. Netflix, Tesla, they're falling. Alphabet's falling. So everyone's falling, and Microsoft is tiptoeing higher. What a sea change. I mean, those were the names we all used to love. They, they were bringing us into the future. And here we are with Microsoft back at the top. I mean, it's like this moment from my childhood. Let's draw a graph of the public hatred or love for Microsoft. This is how I remember it. You can check me on this. Tell me if I've got this right. In the early 1990s, Microsoft was really cool. If you were going into Radio Shack to buy a personal computer, you'd say, hey, does this thing run Windows? Windows 3.1, right. to and, be and, specific. And they'd say, no, it only runs our software. And you'd say, well, then to heck with this. I'm going to go get a cool machine that runs Windows because Windows was a cool thing. Yeah. Then we reached late 1990s where Microsoft dominated everything And we started to dislike it and to disparage it, but we needed it. So we weren't going anywhere. It was still so dominant. Right. And then we got really the rise of smartphones and, and, uh, you know, mobile communications and and the Internet doing new powerful things and the movement to the cloud. And you had all these, you know, the resurgence of Apple, um, companies like Google. And suddenly we were saying, wait a second, why am I paying all this money to upgrade to this operating system when... Hey, uh, Google's got an operating system. Apple has an operating system. They're not going to hit me over the head for some big charge. And I think the company was subject to a lot of mockery. It didn't understand the internet. It had been left behind. And what's so interesting about that description is the stock market tells a pretty similar tale. You look at the stock for Microsoft, and basically from like 2003 to 2013, it was dead money. It didn't move while everyone else took off. And I think that's just a really interesting parallel to what was going on culturally in technology. Right. And unpopularity, that's where I get excited. So 2015, I wrote about the stock. You wrote about the company 2015. So, you know, at the time that I wrote about it, they were selling something called Windows 8. And there were loads of people who disliked the thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. We are actually talking about Microsoft. I hate Windows 8.1. They're ruining the user interface. Don't ruin the user interface. Download time is extraordinarily slow, even if you have good internet, which I do. And so hatred for Microsoft was riding high. But the company made relatively little money 
from these desktop operating systems. And they had a plan. They were coming out with a new operating system called Windows 10. And the plan was to allow most people to upgrade to it for free. I mean, why wouldn't you do that if everybody could get these operating systems for free elsewhere? That sounded risky because we know how important Windows was historically to the company. When you fast forward today, they're still using Windows 10. And customer satisfaction scores are riding high. People don't complain anymore. Most people aren't spending a lot of money for their Microsoft operating system. It works pretty well, right? So suddenly people are back in love with Microsoft. It, it goes hand in hand, of course, with a rising stock valuation. I I, I did, you know, look under the hood on what's going on. Oh, with good. Stock. You did look at a stock chart for this column? <laughs> I did. I, I used Glad little, to hear it. I pulled out the old wristwatch calculator. <laughs> it, it was going for about 16 times free cash flow when I wrote about it back in 2015, and that seemed like a very good deal. Now it's up over 25 times free cash flow. And you can point out that the company sits on a good chunk of net cash. And the revenue growth is still excellent. This company could grow revenue at a low double-digit rate for years to come. So it's not it's not obviously overpriced or anything like that. It just looks kind of full-priced. I can't really find a reason to hate Microsoft, but I'm looking. What is it that's really gotten investors excited about this stock? Like, what's driven this huge run for them? It's really the cloud. Microsoft has made a huge push into the cloud. The cloud is revolutionizing how computing power is generated and consumed. Because we don't want our programs to be on our computer alone. We don't want traditional licensed software anymore. Instead of buying their own computing capacity and storing it on the premises, companies rent what they need from external vendors. We want software that gets to us wherever we are, whether we're on our tablet, whether we're on our smartphone. We want it delivered via online. We want it in the cloud. Amazon has a big head start there, but Microsoft is closing the gap. Just as an example, there's a contract out there. It's a whopper from the Pentagon called Jedi, right? They, they need to make this big push to the cloud, and they're going to hire someone to do this. Now, if you go back a short while ago, this was a slam dunk for Amazon. They were sure to win this business, and Microsoft was all but counted out. Now analysts say, I, I don't know, it's kind of a coin flip. Like, either one of them could win this business at this point. Microsoft is really coming on strong with cloud customers. And it's still early days in the cloud. There are, there's still a ton of computing work that needs to be moved to the cloud. Both these companies can continue to grow business there for many years to come. So that's what's happening for Microsoft. It's a source of great growth, and it's all being done with enterprise customers. So the company isn't as front of mind for consumers. Consumers don't have as many reasons to get upset at Microsoft these days. And we probably should point out that right around the time we were both writing these stories in 2015, the company also had a brand new CEO. It had been a hard search. In fact, I remember for about a year, they really couldn't find a CEO. And we were all like, ugh, Microsoft again. No one even wants to work there. They hired this guy from within named Satya Nadella. And it was just a masterstroke. I mean, I went out there in 2015 shortly after he was named CEO, and you could tell that he had already lifted the company's spirits, liberated employees to really do what they wanted to do, and he's turned this thing around. It's pretty amazing. Liberated them from the Balmer regime? From the Steve Balmer <laughs> regime. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Balmer! Do a thought experiment. Think what comes to your head when you say Steve Balmer. To me, it's probably some viral YouTube clip about someone jumping around a stage screaming and sweating. Right now, that's not all that the man did. I mean, the, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to knock him too hard. But, but what comes to mind when you think about Nadella? For me, it's absolutely nothing. I mean, maybe a still photo of him somewhere. I don't think about him being in the public eye too much. He's quietly running this company the right way, and he's on a Barron's list of top chiefs, and yeah. he's there for a reason. Yeah. 
We should also point out that the founder of this company, Bill Gates, his retirement hobby seems to be making the poorest of the poor of this world more comfortable and doing things to, to help their suffering. This is a guy who's taking an engineer's approach to really helping people in a meaningful way. I call him Gandhi in khakis. <laughs> and I think that's really improved the reputation of this company. I mean, I can remember when people used to look at Bill Gates and they'd say, oh, this is the guy who's trying to nickel and dime me here. And now they say, oh, this is the guy who is smart enough to figure out that we should be spending more money on mosquito nets. And that's the way to get the best bang for the buck in helping people. He's also a former CEO who's now a billionaire and he's not running for president. <laughs> that's true. Well, not yet. We not yet. Say. But that, that kind of makes him more likable just right there. What's so interesting about your column is you point out that You've always liked Microsoft in some form because of its unlikability, and you're now stuck in this weird spot. Suddenly, everyone loves Microsoft, and you're not sure what to think of the stock. Yeah, and, th and that's really reflected in the valuation. Those are uh, kind of two sides of the same coin. So when I liked it initially in 2015, you could get this stock for 16 times free cash flow, and that, to me, was a good deal for a company that seemed to have a lot of growth ahead of it. Now you're paying more than 25 times. And you can point out, well, the company is still probably going to grow its revenue at a low double-digit clip for years to come because the cloud business is great. Microsoft is killing it in the cloud. Amazon is on top, but Microsoft is closing the gap, and there's plenty of growth for both of them. Um, and you can also point out that they sit on a, a nice cushion of net cash, and that helps out with the value. But it's, just, it's kind of a full-price stock here. I'm looking for a reason to stop liking Microsoft again. I'm not finding one, but I'm looking because my sense is that when companies get on the top like this, when everyone loves them, that doesn't last forever. The world will fall out of love with Microsoft again, and if that's going to happen, I want to do it first. We want to tell our readers about it and our listeners. That's right. There was an interesting news item last week, which is another presidential candidate, Elizabeth Warren, talked about the need to break up big tech. Microsoft didn't make her list. What does that tell us? It's just not on people's mind enough yet. I don't even think most people realize that Microsoft has become the largest company again. I mean, we realize it. People who watch Wall Street closely realize it, but the average person doesn't. So she's out there saying, yeah, we've got to break up these big tech titans. What are the names that come to her mind? Not Microsoft, not yet. But you don't get away with that forever. You can't stay on top forever without attracting this extra attention that you don't want. There, there's good research out there from a group called Research Affiliates that talks about high turnover at the top. When companies become the biggest company, they tend not to stay there for long. There have been rare examples of companies that have spent a long time at the top, like ExxonMobil, for example. But most companies, there tends to be high turnover. And I think one of the reasons is you begin attracting attention. Maybe this is a stretch, right? But I think it's a little like what we do with celebrity culture. We love to make heroes out of celebrities so that at some future point we can tear them apart, right? We can turn on. We do. <laughs> I mean, that's what people do when they're watching these reality shows, right? They fall yeah. in love with someone for five minutes and then they destroy them. How long can it be before Elizabeth Warren in some future speech is saying, hey, we've got to do something about Microsoft, just like people were saying about Microsoft years ago? So you are attracted to the unlikability. I think the unlikability is still helping Microsoft from that perspective as well and that people just aren't focused on them quite yet. You're saying they have unlikability momentum? I think that's that's a new theory, that's, but I like you, it. You it's, heard it here first. <laughs> it's got a lot of promise. Yeah, I mean, number two in the highest ranked publicly traded company is Amazon. 
but the poll was done in November. Jeff Bezos at Amazon has had, how shall I say, a, a fairly eventful 2019. He's been right? distracted. He's been distracted. I don't need to go into too much detail. You know, you can you can look at some of those uh, New York Post covers from uh, from back in uh, January and February. It's a family you, show. It's a it's a family show. But actually, you know, that was around the time when Microsoft passed Amazon in value and is is now taking a pretty good lead, right? I will be very interested to see what happens to the reputation score for Amazon come next year. Might not fall, doesn't necessarily have to fall, but number two used to be held by Apple. Now it's way down in the rankings. All these other tech darlings had their moment where they were beloved companies and now we're all taking them down a peg. And look, in order to grow and in order to get bigger and bigger, you're gonna put yourself in the line of fire. I think we saw that with Amazon too, with the New York City HQ2 example. Suddenly they come into New York, they're expecting everyone to love them, Politicians ask questions. Some local citizens aren't so happy. And all of a sudden, Amazon finds itself in this kind of unfamiliar place of being the bad guy. Yeah. Amazon has become a company that many people love to hate or disparage. I mean, I think a majority of New Yorkers still wanted them in town. Right, right. But they're attracting some attention they don't want. But I think the point is that as you get bigger, you just you, you are in the line of fire. And it could you know, be a back to the future moment for Microsoft, too, at some point. The best thing that could happen to Microsoft right now is if Amazon had a huge stock rally, took the number one spot again, and stayed on top. Because then you've got Amazon with a top share in the cloud. Amazon's the biggest company in America. And Amazon can absorb all that hatred on the behalf of Microsoft so Microsoft can continue quietly climbing. That, to me, is the best scenario. Jack, thanks for joining us. Thank you. For Jack Howe's latest Streetwise column about Microsoft, check out this week's Barron's, and as always, Barron's.com. I'm Alex Yule. The show is produced by Meta Litzhoff. The Readback will return next Wednesday. <laughs>